Hello, welcome to the Geeky Brewery Podcast. Uh, nice to be back here with you all. Joining me today, uh, Miss Keith Linfield. Hello. Hi, Ryan, and everybody else. Mr. Lee Price, welcome back. Hello. And uh, Mr. Matt Lovell returns. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Hello. Yes, I'm back. Finally. <laughs> what have we? It's been a long, long time since we last chatted. What have you been up to? Lee starts off first. What have you been up to? I've been playing Psychonauts 2. Uh, which I, in fact, have just finished a um, long-awaited sequel to a really, really good game. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, it pretty much it follows on exactly where the previous game left off. and um, But it's, it's like they kind of play on the idea of it being like a sequel that's been long-awaited, even though the game itself is set like three days after the end of the first game. So there's like there's like occasionally you'll get lines like oh man I haven't been here for days <laughs> sort of thing but like it doesn't apart from that though it, it just sticks to like staying with the plot and doesn't try and be like hey remember this game from fifteen sixteen years ago like it actually just continues the story and you know builds from from there um, but it's just such a good imaginative platformer there's so much thought going to all the different levels there's so many different things there's like a cooking show level at one point which where you're trying to make recipes on a timer uh, there's like bits where you're kind it turns into a side scroller where you're going through levels made out of books and just all sorts of weird and wonderful things going on in there and it's just it's just such a fun game and presentation is still great the writing's brilliant the acting's brilliant and quite a few famous faces turning up because Jack Black's in it, Elijah Wood's in it. <laughs> and uh, was genuinely surprised when I looked at the credits and saw Elijah Wood's name. I was like, oh, yeah, I do kind of hear him now. <laughs> is, there, is there any franchise Jack Black will not touch? Well, I'm, it's like... <laughs> well I mean, in, in his case, he's been friends with Tim Schafer from Double Fight yes. for years because of Brutal Since Legend. Full throttle. Yeah, yeah, Brutal Legend, sorry. Um, so he's basically just been in every Double Fine game ever since. So... Um, and they they took full advantage of that because his character just gets this big song at one point, just <laughs> just so that he can show off. Anything missed, or do you think it's a it's a very well thought out sequel? I think it continues from where they left off. I mean, one thing I really liked is they managed to completely skip past the whole thing you'll sometimes see in sequels, where it's like, okay, well, you can't use all your old abilities; you've got to get them all back again. Um, instead, they basically just like gradually hand them to you throughout the first level, and mm-hmm. so you you start without them all, but eventually you regain them, and it is literally just like, oh hey, remember you don't you do know how to do this? It's like, oh yeah, okay, and then then you get to use that ability for a bit, it's, and then they just kind yeah. of tutorialize it until eventually you've got everything from the first game again. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's. It sounds like it's the perfect level for like the forgetful yeah. parent <laughs> description that everybody always goes on about. Where like you should have a twenty minute tutorial if you've not played a game for over two months. <laughs> it's like now these are what all the buttons do. Yeah. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, it is kind of like that, especially though because it's been sixteen years. They they need to give people a refresher on how the game don't, works. <laughs> don't say it's been that long, Lee, because that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2005. I can't remember if it was that or, or that and Beyond Good and Evil, which were like free with crisps many years ago. Um, probably. I I don't know. 
Yeah, because I'm sure I got my first copy of Beyond Good and Evil from like a pack of Dorito, multi pack of Doritos or something <laughs> weird. It's like that really weird period when like video games were just sellotaped onto everything going. It's like have a free video game. It's like okay. And the the ongoing thing of trying to push Doritos is the gaming food. Yes, <laughs> this was before Mountain Dew had arrived <laughs> in the UK shores, I think. Yeah, uh, and so it led to the infamous Jeff Keighley picture of him surrounded by. Mountain Dew and Doritos. Because mm-hmm. he's a serious yeah. games journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I love, I'm, I'm led to believe this is Microsoft's issue and that Microsoft are the ones who push it more than anybody else. Well, they didn't do it with Psychonauts 2, even though they own it. So that's weird. <laughs> makes, makes a change. <laughs> surprised you don't have all branded merchandise in the back of every game. Like when you go to like a vending machine, it's just full of Dew, Mountain Dew and Dorito. <laughs> now featuring spicy hot flavour. The last game I played that did that was Alan Wake. Because that was full of like just ads everywhere, just product placement. You just look up at a mm-hmm. billboard and here's Verizon. And... <laughs> Yeah, I think it was Forza, one of the Forza games with me. Oh, yeah, racing games always have yeah. sponsorship everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and I can imagine it's like every single EA Sports game is just pretty much merchandising and licensing the game, and then the actual game's like buried very far deep inside. Well, I'm just wondering, it's made me think of like FIFA, because obviously all the footballers would have sponsors on their shirts. It's like, does the game have to then like, get contracts separately for all those sponsors or is that handled through the you know if i remember very dark into the deep dark times when i had flatmate who actually played football games every single team was in fifa apart from barcelona who were in Pez, the pro evolution soccer because they had an exclusive mm-hmm. license with them but every other club were in there but until you if you played barcelona you got like one of those where all the, all the names are slightly wonky and mm-hmm. it's not called Barcelona mm-hmm. FC, it's like Barcelona Athletic or something like that. <laughs> Whereas Pez is the other thing where it's like you can play as Barcelona, but every other single player is like, it's like Michelle Owen. It's kind of like how for years, like Gran Turismo couldn't get Porsche in their games yeah. for some reason. There was some exclusive deal that they did. And so you, the one car manufacturer that's missing is Porsche. I think it was like RUF or something, wasn't it? Like, rough, yeah, rough, I remember that yeah. back in the day. Shocking how people get around it. <laughs> but they go using their music or trailers in in like YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else excited? Or was it just maybe Psychonauts exclusively the last few days? Pretty much exclusively Psychonauts. Awesome. Matt, what have you been up to the last few weeks? Oh, um, I've been, I think the most exciting stuff I've been doing, I've been I've been at the theatre. So I've been to the old Joint Stock Theatre um, in Birmingham, for people who don't know. It's a very small theatre above a pub. And um, I went to go see Avenue Q. So never seen it before. And that was really, really good. I think um, they really made good use of the space. And the way you sat, so normally, obviously, you'd sit front facing we all sat around in a circle and they would kind of go through they would kind of go through the audience and interact and that kind of thing so it was it was really um enjoyable that it's it's 
one cast and they've now flipped over to Little Shop of Horrors. So I'm trying to get tickets for that next. But um, it was a really good first experience. And I think um, Avenue Q as well. Uh, it's very much a uh, early noughties kind of satire. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they have a lot of references, internet references, which don't really do much these days. But it still holds up in general, I think, as a as a show. Yeah, because um, yeah, I watched it with um, Viv back when it had its West End run a long time ago, and I think the best description I've ever had of it was, "What if Sesame Street, by, written by Trey Parker and Matt Stone from South Park." <laughs> You know, it's it is it is that it's Sesame Street. You've got uh, you've got puppets, and, um, and there is a puppet sex scene. One of the cocktails was actually called um, "Puppet Sex on the Beach" and that kind of thing. And it's more, it's it's a lot more real as well when you're like one of fifty people in a small theatre watching it as well. It adds another <laughs> level, but it is fun. It is a really good show. Um, and they did a good job putting it on. The the second one is was at the Hippodrome, and it was Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's a um, it's a film had Hugo Weaving in, um, and it's drag queens going across um, the Australian outback. Um, really, really fantastic film, really cult film, and it's been made into obviously. Uh, a uh, Broadway show, Come to Hippodrome. I was really impressed uh, when I watched it. Um, it's a jukebox musical of sorts, so it has all the disco classics. Um, you've got a lot of Donna Summers in there, um, I Will Survive, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, I think the way to describe it is it's almost like a more polished drag act. <laughs> from start to finish um, and uh, the the cast were really really strong they um, they did a few skits interacting with the audience the jokes landed really really well um, and the way they did these songs because obviously um, with drag um, a lot of it is you mime so the, the Queen's mime so they had um, singers up above uh female singers up above doing the songs and then uh the queens would lip sync but then occasionally the queens would sing themselves it was quite a good mix and it was also really impressive to see how they managed to get that synergy because obviously when they're lip syncing to the audience they can't see what the person singing behind is doing so if they added any extra trills that kind of thing they had to kind of adapt so it was a really inventive way i think of doing doing a musical um yeah, so I'd thoroughly recommend it. It's, it's on until I think it's end of September. I'm not entirely sure. But if anyone in Birmingham has listened to this, I would definitely recommend going to see it. Yeah, I think it's Hippodrome's first show back since they uh, went into lockdown many, many moons ago. So, yeah, great theatre. Seen some brilliant stuff over there over the years. So, go support. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to see theatre back as well after you know what has been a horrendous <laughs> horrendous 15 months for them and mm -hmm. events society in general mm -hmm. awesome any other uh, activities or maybe being theatre specialised 
Yeah, I've only been to theatre. It's that kind of thing of in lockdown, I was there being like, I had a massive bucket list of things and I was there being like, I'm not cultured enough. I need to be more cultured. And so I've now gone out and done the shows. <laughs> <laughs> and those are gigs. So I'm going to see uh, um, New Order in Manchester on Friday. So that'd be fun as well. And Hot Chip. So that that's kind of what I've been doing. In my downtime, um, I've been re-watching The Walking Dead from the start. Um, I basically I got to about the end of series two and um, the same reason why I couldn't really get on with the comics is because um, Rick and his family irritated me um, obviously yeah I, I know no spoilers but um, I just couldn't I just couldn't get on with it I, I really couldn't and every single situation I was just like can you please shut up like and it ruined it for me. I've, I've come back to it, and I think knowing what I know now, it's an easier pill to swallow. <laughs> so I'm further <laughs> than I was before, and I am still, I am enjoying it. But also, what's quite yeah. interesting is same with like Game of Thrones and those kind of start of the 2010s when TV narrative started to get really, really good. Um, it's interesting to see how plots evolved in current TV shows now in terms of how they deal with drama and twists and that kind of thing. And um, the earlier series of The Walking Dead, same with Game of Thrones, it's interesting, but you're starting to see um, it does look a bit clunky on retrospect, considered to how like smooth narrative storytelling is in a TV series at the moment. In Herschel's Farm was like the killing point for me in The Walking Dead TV show, because I think it was like seven episodes where nothing happened. Like just absolute nothing happened on screen, and it was like, <laughs> and yeah. no, no, check my watch, no, still going, no. <laughs> yeah, that that was my killer point. But it's like it's in like season sixteen or something now. Uh, season ten's just started on Disney Plus. Well, season eleven, I think. I can't remember which it is. Um, but it's the final season yeah. now, and I mean that's at least that's one thing Matt can look forward to is even if the Grimes family irritates yeah. you. Yeah, you know, they, they get what's coming. <laughs> and then you get another 10 seasons, or six seasons after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keith, how, how about yourself? Uh, enjoying the last season of Walking Dead, I assume. I haven't actually started watching it yet. Because um, all, all of these, all the way TV has changed in the past year has thrown me completely out of whack because stuff ain't where it used to be. And in my advancing years, I find it very difficult to like get used to stuff moving places. Because um, one of the things that's going to drive me nuts for the next few weeks is that Sky One is now Sky Max and Sky Showcase, um, which is like, I don't understand how that works. Showcase just seems to be, that's where we put the replates and Sky Max is the other thing. And then we've got Sky Witness. Um, so it's confusing me. And the fact that New Amsterdam has gone from Amazon to Sky Witness or something, somewhere. But yeah, it's like, just, where just, are my shows? I just want to watch them. Just treat them like the moving staircases in Harry Potter, Keith. You need to keep a, keep a, keep a good eye out for eye where, they, where they're going to be next. Yeah. I have to use an app now um, called Just oh, Watch. No. That, I, that I have to type things in. It goes, where's this? Where's this show now? Where can I watch it? Uh, I have to, I have to be uh, uh, assisted. I have to have a TV assistance now. Where's, my, where's this Is show? It? 
Does it feel like you're back in like the uh, TV times at Christmas days, like flicking through the big issue of oh, highlighting what you want to watch? I couldn't imagine what I I couldn't imagine what what flicking through a TV times is like now when you've got five hundred channels to choose from. It's like I just want to yeah. just want to find the one show that I want to watch. Um, yeah, but I've been watching quite a lot of t- television, more television than I should watch. Obviously, I've been watching the new season of New Amsterdam, which I, I absolutely love as a uh, the kind of show that kind of takes over from ER which is one of my favourite TV shows of all time um, which was then a, a, a follow up to St Elsewhere which was also one of my favourite TV I like a, I like a good doctor show not not a Grey's Anatomy um, you know, I need a, I need a doctor show where I'm learning things I can then then diagnose <laughs> illegally uh, people's ills in an and underground that's why, like, and that's why I enjoy Dark Place <laughs> Yes, you're like a you're, you're like a bootleg house, are you? Yeah, <laughs> you just turn up and everything's not lupus. Yeah. And um, I've just finished watching the fourth or fifth season of Fargo, um, which Channel Four have managed to bury, you know, in a way that um, confused me completely because it kind of came and went with little or no um, publicity. Um, and Noah Hawley is one of the one of the great TV makers of the 21st century. He's legion. Uh, is the best superhero show ever to grace television. Um, and uh, Fargo was brilliant. They took the premise of the film, the Coen Brothers film, and, and ran with it in in ways that were just weird and wonderful. Uh, and this last season had an episode that nearly equaled the eighth episode of D- David Lynch's Twin, Tw- Twin Peaks The Return for, like, that was a monumentous piece of television. Um, so if anybody can watch the fourth season he's got chris rock in it don't let that put you off he's really good in it um but yeah um that was really good jason swartzman is in this season as well um and it's, it's really good yeah it's kind of um See? mid mid uh, early 19th century american kind of mobster type things it's, it's phenomenal yeah i was gonna say because i don't they keep shifting the time periods and fargo's just the town where things are yeah going. it's just kind of a location and weird things happened um in previous seasons we've had kind of like alien abductions and stuff and and, and things but um yeah it's, it's a really good really great show um so i'm quite enjoying that obviously watching the, the various marvel things that are on um and i've yet to see but i'm glad to see that it's come back it's a second season of a cartoon called kid cosmic uh which is just great it's kind of basically the reverse avengers um so they have rings of power which is basically the same kind of things as like infinity rings but it gives them levitation and telekinesis and whatever um really great animation really great music um if you if you're a fan of something like psychonauts or the double fine kind of um, games you'd you'd appreciate the art style and the the humor that's in something like kid cosmic you're gonna you're gonna keep trying to trying to sell superheroes to lee here we know his hatred. <laughs> it's not done by a horror writer. I'm not interested. <laughs> it's not. It's not really a show about superheroes. That's that's just the the the, the uh, crutch they hang it off. It's it's about people and relationships and family. It's um it's much more mm-hmm. much more than superheroes. As all good superhero yeah. stories are, um they're all about something else. I can definitely see what you mean with the art style. Yeah, it's it's really it's really nice. It's a beautiful looking show. Um, and talk, funny. Talking of cartoons, one where is Star Trek Lower Decks in the UK because it's just not anywhere. It's really annoying me because the entire season's been broadcast in the states. I think by now it is on Amazon. Oh, Amazon, is it on Amazon? Amazon Prime. I am up to date. Is it? With, um, 
Because uh, I know Netflix are losing the rights for the other Star Trek stuff soon, so I'm assuming it's all being decamped to Amazon at some point then. Yeah, well, I don't know because the uh, Star Trek Prodigy, 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 Prodigy is going to somewhere else, another channel completely. Um, I don't know where that's going, but I don't, that might be because of a licensing deal with Nickelodeon. But Lower Decks or, is on yeah. Amazon Prime. All I think when I hear Star Trek Prodigy is, is like having Keith Flint and the rest of the crew like as on the <laughs> on the deck. I'm the red shirt. I'm gonna get phased. Yeah, that'd be that just going into battle like that scene in Star Trek Beyond, but with like the Prodigy Firestarter playing. See, now I wanna hear a Liam Howlett remix of uh, the Star Trek theme. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would be worth listening to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing is Final Space, though. I'm still waiting. Yeah, where's Final Space? Come on, Netflix. The trailer was months get ago. Get it, get it back yeah, on. It's, it's all done on, all done and dusted in America, that is. Yeah. Oh, is, it, is, Final is Final Space, Space worth watching after? Because I, I loved the first series. Second series, I just couldn't. It lost its mojo for me in second series. I think the first series was so tightly scripted. Mm. It was it was just a masterpiece from start to finish, and it was the case with the second series of well, it was a MacGuffin hunt for the entire. <laughs> it was like it's like we've got to pull something else out of the bag here, so it felt very much the second series was just purely set up for the third season. Uh, so I'm nice. hoping the third season is a case of right, we had the second season to re-establish a proper plot, so now we can like do something properly with it. And there's still some great moments in there. I uh, think it was just, yeah. I agree, it was much weaker than the first season. But um, fingers crossed, it. third season picks it back up and runs with it again. It's the difficult second season. So, go on then, Ryan, what have you been up to? Uh, mainly the cinema, actually. I have finally purchased one of those uh, unlimited cinema cards after many moons of humming and hoaring about it. So I've uh, been to see three films over the last few months. Uh, one is Free Guy, which is the Ryan Reynolds vehicle, which is just Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds for an hour and a half on the screen. So if you like Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds, it's the perfect movie if you're a Ryan Reynolds fan. I mean, some of the stuff does happen, but it's just pretty much just Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. And then uh, second movie choice was uh, Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings, which I'm not going to go into now because I think it deserves its own little special off in its own. So Lee can escape and not have to listen to us speak about superheroes <laughs> for an hour. It's, <laughs> it's, sure not, that. it's, it's not a superhero film. It's a martial arts fantasy. Yes, which, which, would, which would interest me if it wasn't part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to me, uh, just to sum it up very briefly, it's the best origin movie that Marvel have made, and it is the most divergent from the set template of Marvel movies that has come out. It's actually really nice, and it's it's got some actual like characterization and some actual growth of characters as we see throughout the film. But that's all I'm saying. Not going to spoil anything else. Go watch it. Yeah, if you like, if you've watched any kind of Marvel, go watch it now, please. It's it's aces, and if you're a fan of of, of uh, Chinese films, it's full to the rim of um, top quality ta- talent. Yeah, Tony Leung is pretty much the best thing in this film by a country mile. 
but even then everybody else is still really kicking it up again. So, and the last film, and I will need answers on a postcard for this one because I still don't understand it, even though I watched it, is Annette, <laughs> which we watched the trailer for the last issue. So Matt wasn't here for that, so I'll try and explain Annette to him. So it's written by the Sparks Brothers. So if you know Sparks, uh, they've had recently had a documentary by Ed Ro- Edgar Wright. Uh, but Sparks are a very legendary, eclectic, auteur band. They've, they've done some odd... They're very successful, but not successful at the same time. They've, they live in that kind of limbo period where everybody Cold knows favorites. them and everybody knows... Yeah, cult favourites. Yeah. I think everybody's heard this town ain't big enough for the both of us at least once in their life, but they have a rich, glorious back catalogue outside of that. So they went away and wrote a musical. They decided it wasn't going to be a musical, it was going to be a film. So they brought in Leo Carr, who's a very auteur French movie producer. Uh, Holy Motors was his last movie before that, which was one of the darlings of Cannes, and it had Kylie Minogue in it. And it was, again, a completely indescribable film. Um, Annette is a musical still. It's a musical movie. I'm not usually a fan of musicals, but I enjoyed this one more than I was expecting to. It's Adam Driver, Marion Cotillard. And it's basically, he's a very disabused, horrible stand-up comedian, uh, pretty much in the mould of, like, a... George Carlin kind of stand-up comedian who's like very miserable, etc. And he falls in love with an opera singer who's played by Marion Cotillard, who's called Anne. And it's pretty much their life story. And then it gets weird after about half an hour. And that's all I'm going to say on the matter. It, it's, it's one of those films where you have to experience it. And it's not a film to watch. It's a film to experience in that weird kind of way of describing it. It's it's a film that I've loved to watch. I will never properly watch it again, but I enjoyed the experience of watching the film. And that pretty much sums up Leo Carax's kind of works, where it's kind of, it's insane, but in a really good way. And Adam Driver singing was not something I was expecting to have an hour and a half of, put it that way. Um, what? What I like about Adam Driver is he's done the same thing as like Elijah Wood and Stanley Radcliffe, where you've been in something as big as Star Wars, and then you go, the rest of my career is going to be really obscure. <laughs> <It's a film. laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be stuff like Marriage Story. It's like where I can actually prove I can actually act after having three movies where I had the dramatic range of a fish finger. Did Robert Pattinson do something like that as well? Very, you know. I think he's got a bit with well, Twilight, and apart from like obviously Batman coming up, but you know. Yeah, well, he did the uh, that lighthouse movie mm-hmm. with William Dafoe, yeah. which we had a lot of discussion about lobsters. Yeah, which, which they, is a they, reference. They all seem to do with Jim Jarmusch movie at some point as well. Yeah, for some yeah. yeah, but um, I would recommend it. It's on very limited release uh, for film screenings. If you like something completely different in a movie, go and watch it. Uh, I think it's also streaming on Mubi in the UK if you can't get a chance to go into a screening. So I'd recommend it if you're waiting for an experience and not a film. That, that, that's the way I'll, I'll kind of circle around it. It's very hard to explain it any other way. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, actually, the only thing, yeah, it's worth it for the first five opening minutes. And oh, well, that was the other thing. Howard from The Big Bang Theory is in it, which I didn't realise until I got to the movie. <laughs> it's Simon Hedberg, and he's playing a really serious, dramatic role. But all I could think was just Howard from The Big Bang Theory is in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason he had to apply for French citizenship to be in the film it's a very convoluted story it's it's going to be more like George Orowski's Dune where the story of how this movie was made is probably going to be more interesting than the actual watching the end result how, from, how would you rate them which would you say go first, go second, go third so Shang-Chi first because well if anybody's invested in the MCU like I've been since 2008, it's kind of, it's, it's a given that you're going to go and watch the latest release from Cardless, see how it fits into the giant piece of puzzle that is Marvel Cinematic Universe. Second, I'd say Annette, because it is just an experience and it's something that will be completely different to any other film that will come out this year by a, by a significant degree. And then third is Ryan Reynolds as Ryan Reynolds in the Ryan Reynolds vehicle, <laughs> free guy. Because it's Ryan Reynolds and you can watch Deadpool 2 or Deadpool <laughs> or any other Ryan Reynolds movie apart from the Green Lantern. Or maybe X-Men Origins Wolverine. Kind of box those two off. I, um, I watched Free Guy as well. I liked Free Guy more than I was expecting to. Um but there were some bits where it was very much catered towards modern gaming audiences of like ages 11, the yeah. Fortnite crowd and stuff. And I was there being like, oh, I'm so old. The trailer I mean, has like a million influences in it. And yeah, like, yeah. The way the trailer played it up was just like, oh, you should recognize all these people. I'm like, nope, nope, not at all. <laughs> It surprisingly has a bit of a heart to it, though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I would, it's, it's surprisingly, there's, there's something in there which you can, like, there's, like, this gleam of what would have been a beautiful movie hidden by layers of slapstick comedy and references and meta-humour. Yeah. And Taika Waititi's in it, and Taika Waititi's pretty much great in anything that he's in. So he plays a good bad guy. So, Yeah. I'd, I'd say they're all worth watching in their own special way, is how I describe it. Uh, other than cinema visits, uh, I have been com well. I've completed Mass Effect two finally, and now finally onto Mass Effect three. There's like this is the most. This is probably the most hours played per pound spent I've ever gotten out of a game. And it, say if you have missed out the Mass Effect franchise. I really would recommend and go in and pick up the Legendary Edition. Yeah, it's probably going to start it to be discounted soon, so good time to buy. Do you get Andromeda uh, in that set? No. no so no. it's just the Commander Shepard trilogy. So it's one, two, and three. Um, Andromeda, I think, suffered more at launch than it should have. It's got a great story to it. The gameplay is probably not as strong because I did a lot of things to try and fix the gameplay and ended up breaking it from what is your traditional RPG experience and it suffers from that um, mid 2010s everything's got to be a giant open map full of little icons for you to go and drive to 
experience, which kind of ruined how Mass Effect plays. Is it, it it felt like it was more of a step back to Mass Effect 1 of, oh, look, there's an icon over here. But in having it as a giant map rather than having very small maps with two or three destinations, it, 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 it followed that Ubisoft model of, we'll give you a giant map, but not very much in it. And then you're driving for 10 minutes to every single destination. But there's a really strong story within that. And I'll be interested to see what happens with Mass Effect 4, because apparently they're going to tie Andromeda and Mass Effect 3 together in a new story. I, mean, I assume we'll find out more on 7th of November, which is Mass Effect Day in Bioware's N7 kind of thing. So hopefully we'll see more soon. But... Um, I think it's had a much better reception for a remastered game than they were expecting. Uh, from the back of that, we were also getting Dead Space remastered. So EA must have seen, well, there's a lot of money in bringing some old game franchises back with a bit of a 4K spit and polish. So uh, but the Dead Space remastered, watch the uh, bits of footage they showed for that. They showed some footage from the Alpha. That looks quite interesting. It's not a franchise I picked up the first time around, so... It is really good, so I'm glad that they're yeah. bringing it back in some form. As long as, we, as, long as they kind of retcon Dead Space 3 out of existence, then nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's that kind of thing with the remaster is, is it worth it? Does it serve a purpose? Or are you denigrating the original by changing things and like retconning stuff? So like we've had the Halo Master Chief collection, recently, which has been doing good guns. We've had the Resident Evil remasters. I mean... Well, they were remakes. Yeah. Completely redone, so... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I won't go into it, but <laughs> I have some very strong thoughts on the uh, Resident Evil 3 remake. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't as good as the Resident Evil 2 remake. <laughs> It's, it's more. Um, it's, it's more. And this happens when when they remake any games or remaster that kind of thing, where there's so much potential you could have, and they just don't. And it's sad more because you know they're not going to revisit it, or if they are, it's going to be like another ten, twenty years before they revisit it. So you're just like, oh. <laughs> but um, what, what was there was was good. The Resident but, Evil Three remake was a completely faithful remake in the sense that it wasn't as good as Resident Evil 2 that came out the year before. (laughs) (laughs) If you want more on remasters versus remakes, uh, Lee has a really good video on his YouTube channel actually about Final Fantasy 7 and the the changes made underlying that. So Mm -hmm. go and have an explore. So coming up on the show today, we have a very special guest in attendance, uh, Mr. Larry Bundy Jr., a.k.a. Guru Larry, um, gamer, presenter, YouTuber extraordinaire. So it'll be interesting to hear some stuff with him. And Lee has come up with a brilliant new game for us all to play. It's been a while since we played a game. Um, how should we phrase it? You'll get nothing for a pair, not in this <laughs> game. <laughs> but that's the only way to describe it. So um, we'll be back shortly after this. What's happening to you these days? Having lots of fun? Believe me, I know some folks that are in for some fun. Take a minute. See what's in it. But you can see how dangerous this could be. But first, we're going to have a little fun tonight, folks. It's time for the Geeky Brummy Podcast. 
Now it's time to take a look at some of the comics out now and coming soon in the Geeky Brummy pool list. Firstly, it's a book I've neglected to put on my physical pool list down at Worlds Apart Birmingham, so I haven't actually got my physical copy yet. And it is a previous comic of the week, and it's Way of X number five from Marvel Comics, written by Simon Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn. In this issue, this is the way. What happens when the third law of Krakoa is broken? What happens when all of the solutions have failed? What happens when Nightcrawler finally finds the way? With so much going on in the world of X-Men, it's possible you've not picked up this title. You really should, as Cy Spurrier and the team have been putting out one of the best X-Books on the market. It's a real shame that this is the final issue of this run, as Cy's takes on the characters has been relevatory, and he is one of my favourite writers around right now. Uh, we are getting a follow-up issue in X-Men The Onslaught Revelation, which is due in a few weeks' time, and I hope Cy is given the chance to keep playing in the X-Verse again soon. Up next is another book I've failed to pick up in person, and it's another previous comic of the week. And this one is Amazing Fantasy number two from Marvel Comics, written and illustrated by Carrier Andrews. And in this issue, experience these heroes like never before. Each of our heroes from across time and space seem to have found their tribes in this strange new land of wonder. But World War II Cap, Teenage Spidey and Spy School Black Widow soon discover that every paradise has its own costs and eventually everyone must pay. Is there a way to avoid the coming war, or is fate the flute that leads us to our inevitable end? Our amazing fantasy continues. Uh, the first issue of Amazing Fantasy rocked. This is the kind of Marvel book that I used to love as a kid. Uh, this isn't hindered by any current continuity, and it's only interesting in telling a rip-roaring adventure story. Andrew's art is spectacular, as is his writing, and that makes for a comic that is fun and enjoyable to read. With so many books linked to events or other long-running storylines, it's a breath of fresh air to have a comic that just wants to tell a good story on its own terms. Up next, and a book that I've had on my poor list for quite some time, it's Winston Future number 16 from Boom Studios, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Dan Mora and colours by Tamara Bonvillain. And in this issue, is it possible that King Arthur and Merlin can save England from King Arthur's and Merlin's? A very strange war is brewing indeed. The other world and our world have collided, and England is ground zero for the chaos. Bridget has spent her whole life fighting to prevent this future from happening, but now that it's arrived, she's at a loss. Fortunately, she has Duncan by her side, and he's not about to let Grant give up. Once and Future continues to be a great read, the modern spin on British folklore is so well done, it deserves to be read by many more. The writing and art are top-notch and really drive the story. The only downside of the book is that it whips by so quickly that the wait between issues feels like waiting for the actual King Arthur to return. Next up, we have We Only Find Them When They're Dead, number eight, from Boom Studios, written by Al Ewing with art by Simone DiMeo. In this issue, tensions come to a head between the Harvesters and the Worshippers at Malik's flight, as Malin Chen's true plan is revealed. Meanwhile, Jason will find himself embroiled in a conspiracy and heists that make Captain Malik's original quest pale in comparison. I'm really enjoying this series. It's in no rush, and I can see that putting off people. But for me, the pace and the art combine to make this a pleasure to read. There's so much happening on such a cosmic scale that it can literally blow your mind. And that's what I'm here for. Next, we have New Mutants number 21 from Marvel Comics. This is written by Vita Alia with art by Rod Reese. In this issue, Mayhem on the Moon. There's something creeping in the shadows of the Summer House and the New Mutants are about to come face to face with it. And back on Earth, the team is turning against itself as they gear up for their biggest battle yet. 
the New Mutants continues to be one of the best X-Books Marvel's putting out. I remember being such a fan of the New Mutants over the X-Men in the 80s, and that is once again how I feel here. This book has grown over the course of its run and should really be on your pull list. And then we have my current comic of the week, Excalibur number 23 from Marvel Comics, written by Tinny Howard with art by Mike Toe. And in this issue, The Call of Doom. As Guardians of the Gate, Excalibur has sworn to safely escort those who quest to the other world within. But their duties are tested to the limits when Doom returns to Avalon. Uh, this comic keeps pulling me in. With recent developments involving Pete Wisdom, I have to stick around to find out what happens. I think that what I really want is a Captain Britain comic, and this is as close as I get right now. That said, I do enjoy the interplay between the characters, and whilst they are not the original team, they do stand up well. And Tinny and Marcus make me care about what's happening, and until they drop the ball on that, I'm going to stick around the lighthouse. To finish, I'm going to take a quick look at a couple of other books that I have picked up as well in the last few weeks. First up, we have X-Men, The Trial of Magneto, number one. This is written by Lee Williams with art by Lucas Wernick and colours by Edgar Delgado. Uh, in this issue, we find out what's been happening after the murder of the Scarlet Witch. And finally, I picked up the Aquaman 80th Anniversary Edition. Uh, this is the 1970s cover uh, by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and Trish Mulverhill. Uh, what a beautiful cover. This is the, uh, the logo that I used to pick up Aquaman comics for back in the 1970s. Um, this is a collection of short stories by artists and writers from across Aquaman's history. And much like all of the other DC 80th anniversary books they've been putting out recently, uh, it's really nice. And I'm glad I've added this one to my collection. And that's it for this week's pull list. I hope you've been reading some great comics over the past few weeks. And some of my recommendations have introduced you to new and interesting comics. Uh, you can buy your comics in Birmingham from the wonderful Worlds Apart Birmingham on Smallbrook Queensway. And you can find other uh, great books that are available now in our On The Radar segment, which you can find on the website and on our Twitter feeds each Wednesday. And that's it for now. So don't forget, comics are for everyone. And now back to the main show. Welcome back to the show. Um, we're very excited now as we are joined by Larry Bundy Jr., a.k.a. Guru Larry. Hello, Larry. Hello. <laughs> Genuine um, celebrity anonymous. Well, that's, that's <laughs> putting it a bit politely, yeah. <laughs> Slightly above nobody's status, really, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, Larry is best known today as a popular British YouTube personality. Allegedly. Uh, with his made account. <laughs> <laughs> with his made account uh, with 423,000 subscribers at time of recording. Um, he creates a host of gaming and geeky related content, uh, including his immensely popular Fact Hunt series. Um, Larry also collaborates with other popular YouTubers such as Ashens and uh, DJ Slopes, who, if you might remember, was on our YouTube special a few um, episodes ago. But aside from YouTube, uh, Larry's had a colourful career. So Larry's been in TV and media. Some of you might remember him on several British satellite TV, uh, TV gaming channels such as Games Network, Rapture TV, X League TV as Guru Larry. And just very excited. I mean, I've um, I remember watching you 
and your retro corner. I'm so on on TV, so I'm just there being like, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> well, you heard me. You never so, saw me. I used to hide away from absolutely. the camera back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so brilliant, Larry. Let's talk first about your TV career. So yes, started off as a contestant. So you started off as a contestant. Oh, okay. Um, oh, that really that far back? Eh? Like, honestly, like head to head. So how did you go from being a contestant to a presenter? Uh, basically just spam every single email address you could find really that's, that's how you do it just just sheer attrition to get through to people and that uh but that back in the early days it was um i also said uh, you know if you'd like to take part in this show in a future episode uh, write us into this uh, address that sort of thing so i wrote into pretty much any gaming show that, had on, that was on tv at the time i wrote to games master games world head to head uh I didn't bother going. I did bother do a bad influence because it was too far away. It's up in Birmingham, and <laughs> so that was a bit far for me. But yeah, I'd done all them sort of shows, and I auditioned a couple of times to a uh, few of them, uh, and then just got lucky once. I got like I got through straight away with head to head because I think they they just went through so many people because it was a daily show as well. So I got lucky. Now I got to go on twice because I got knocked out the first time. I got knocked out because I was playing a football game, <laughs> and the second time. Uh, I'd won all 10 rounds, won a mountain bike, which is still behind my shed. (laughs) (laughs) And that first time was a bit controversial, wasn't it? Because uh, I think you should have won, personally. Oh, thank you. First time round. I hate top-down football games, for starters, and uh, she told me the uh, wrong buttons for the penalties. So I just, you can hear me tapping, go, what the hell is bloody happening? And that, and I ended up losing it. Yeah, so... But like I said, I come back in a couple of months later and that, and I won loads of prizes and stuff. So, and that was a game that was uh, rock and roll racing, and it's one it's one of those games that you're like freakishly good at. You know, there's always one game that you're really, really good at for no reason, <laughs> and that was so. I luckily I struck out there, so lucks out. Did you forgive Violet? Williams oh yeah, back yeah, after that was, one. Yeah, friends of her. I still speak to him, Twitter and stuff like that at the time. That, uh, so yes, you know, it did take several decades to uh, you know come to that. Forgiveness, but you know, I got there in the end, so but yeah, no, it's it just yeah, it was, it, was, it was just a bit of fun. Like I said, I got it was all right for a fun day out for the day, and and I got to go back, so at least you know. So, would you say kind of being a contestant inspired you to kind of do a bit more and go into like games journalism and, and do like the hosting side on TV, or was that something that you always wanted to do anyway? Uh, well, I sort of fell into that. I fell into that job by uh, nobody else turning up on auditioning. <laughs> so that's literally, yeah, I'm the only one who turned up and I got the job. So uh, that was uh, my job on Game Guru. Uh, that was, uh, there was a, a forum uh, in the UK called Brit Xbox. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, and basically the guy, uh, a guy called uh, Gareth Williams, he wrote, he wrote, he left a post on there saying that anyone who wants to audition and that applied to it. And uh, it's one of those sort of very clicky sort of forums. So they all started mocking him and that, you know, oh, you come on here spamming your stuff. And I think he ended up getting banned in the end. But I wrote and uh, I got the job. So I was the only one who turned up. So, <laughs> so, so that's how I got that's how I got into gaming television and that. And uh, sort of uh, the rest, uh, X League was through Screw Attack, really, from doing videos for them on the Internet. Uh, they liked what I was doing and asked me to do retro gaming stuff for them. So that's how I've really got into doing retro gaming stuff more than anything is through a combination of X League and Screw Attack. And I got stuck to being the, the retro guy. 
and it's like and it's just because i got so popular and stuff like that so i stuck to it and now i permanently live in the past <laughs> <laughs> don't we all don't yeah. we all <laughs> yeah, don't want to don't want to go in the 2020s horrible place it's full of death <laughs> I mean, before we we move into sort of the the big stuff i mean tv isn't your only background um because you started your career as a anime and manga artist didn't you yes um, yes i did yeah well it was for gaming most of it most of it was for gaming related stuff there's very few jobs I did outside of gaming with it. Um, so how did that that come about? Was that again? Was that something you've been passionate about, and you'd always you went you thought you know what let's try it or? Yeah, because uh, nobody else was doing it at the time as well, and I thought uh, I went to art college. Uh, did it, I went there for a day, and it sort of uh, annoyed me because most of the lessons were things like finger painting and that stuff that you know absolutely <laughs> bear zero relevance to what I want to do in a career. And then uh, I got on the wrong bus home, so I thought, sod this, and didn't turn up. So I used the rest of my tuition. I went to a, there's a local Japanese shopping centre uh, near me in Brink Cross, uh, Collendale, actually. It's in Johan Plaza, and uh, I went to a Japanese bookshop there, and they had loads of how-to-draw manga books. Couldn't understand a bloody word of them, because all in Japanese, but <laughs> I just taught myself from the pictures. So, so yeah, so, and then I started spamming uh, any company that would listen. Most of them either ignored you or done a polite uh, we'll keep you on on file which is a polite way of telling you to go away uh, <laughs> but you know very very few, every now and then you get locked out and uh, they offered you a commission uh details probably the best biggest one i did fantastic um well do you do you still do any any sort of like artwork for companies or is that kind of not for a while no not for a while no it's uh to be honest i'm really rusty to be honest that's one of the main things i've not sort of applied that is a lot it's a lot of work it's a lot easier just talk about video games and to draw them nowadays so uh so yeah so uh, that's so i'd like to go back into i really really wanted to do animation i mean if i didn't if i'd never picked up a career doing talking about retro games online i would have got into animation i think so an alternate alternate timeline for me there where i become a reasonably popular animator instead of a reasonably popular gaming channel (laughs) so (laughs) probably better off that timeline but yeah there you go so how did how did you make the transition from like satellite tv to uh to youtube uh my career dried up i had nothing else to do (laughs) so that's pretty much it um basically i just uh after we finished uh, doing Gangaroo, uh, between that and X-League, uh, my friend Wes and I, um, we come up with the idea of, uh, how, this is long before smartphones existed as well, uh, coming up, uh, approaching companies about doing game reviews, little short three-minute reviews, and then putting them as like a barcode on uh, game uh, price tags in stores, like game stuff like that. And so, so if you want to see what the game looks like, you just enter the phone number uh, code on the phone number. You can see what it looks like and that. And uh, we made a couple of reviews and that for testing and that. And we we spoke to this company. Uh, I don't know what the Channel X, I think their name was. Anyhow, uh, they kept messing us about. They asking us to meetings and that, and not turning up. So we we had all this stuff and and that, and we just thought I would put it on YouTube, and it got picked up from there. And uh, Screw Attack saw us our videos from there and liked them and then picked us from that and then that piggybacked off to onto X League. So, so it's when did you ever? So I was gonna say, did you ever rethink really like YouTube would would be where where you went like career wise? 
Uh, a little bit. I mean, it's it's nice that I went where I was. I did enjoy going there, as it were. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, you know, I, I sort of uh, I went with the roll with the punches and that, see what would you know where life would take me, as it were. And I sort of got quite lucky in the end. Yeah. Do you feel like you have more con- creative control now with your YouTube stuff? Than oh back yeah. In I mean, TV every, days? Ev- everything was down to compromises on television and stuff like that. It was you have to approve. You know, somebody comes along and proves you and that and stuff like that. And if you get one person who doesn't like you, your career is pretty screwed as well. So at least I can make whatever I wanted. I mean, I had that sort of freedom at X League for a while. I mean, because I was the only person who knew what talking about retro game was about, you know, about retro games and stuff. So I had some sort of freedom in that being more knowledgeable than everyone else. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's like that. But yeah, YouTube is a lot more fun. I mean, YouTube isn't 100% creative free. I got to go with what gets views as well. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. always go for what I want to make, unfortunately. But, I know um, that feeling. Yeah. So you got to, you, you know, either you can make, you can make videos that nobody watches or you can, uh, you know, take a punch and that and I get stuff that gets views and stuff. So it's, it's mix it, mix it in them out of every now and then. Like I, I did that. I want to do that video on the HMV dog a couple of months ago and, that, and I've done that. Didn't get many views, but it was fun to make. And that, and it's, it's just, it's all extra content and that extra potential views and stuff. So somebody out there might like it and subscribe one day and stuff. So, so it's a really interesting point. So obviously you've been on YouTube for quite a while. How how has it changed compared to sort of old type, like old YouTube compared to now? So twenty twenty one, like the kind of it's a lot more algorithm led that kind of thing now. So how has the platform evolved? Do you think? Uh, well, I think it's a lot more freedom nowadays, and I. It got really, really stifled where they got absolutely neurotic with copyright and stuff like that in, in, in around 2017 and stuff like that. So you couldn't put anything out without getting a, a demonetised straight away. I mean, I had... Um, what, and the, the bots were so stupid now. I had a number two that was too large and I got demonetised <laughs> for that. You know, because, yeah, I had a number two text on screen because that was slightly too large. I got demonetised for it. So... So that's how stupid the uh, algorithm bot was. So, but it's a lot more freedom now. It's a lot more freedom now. But you know, I don't get as many views as I used to. But so, it's just a case of seeing what works and what doesn't. Because mm-hmm. it was the big apocalypse. I think it was roughly. I got lucky with that. I got lucky with that. I must admit. I mean, I, I saw some people. You know, just got completely obliterated in that thing. But I was. Uh, I did luck out and stuff like that. Where it never affected me that much per se awesome so kind of on that a bit are there any like current types or styles of youtube video that you really dislike and you think are detrimental to this platform the, the things people have to do to get to get the views i think i think having to uh, put out tons and tons of videos a day now i think that is stretching its quantity over quality now on youtube and I think that yeah. does demerit the the site as a whole, that people are being forced to put out as much content as possible just to keep with the you know the algorithm gods pleasing them as it were. So that's that's quite a detriment. I mean, people should be able to spend time and make a decent product. I feel and not get punished for it just for wanting to make quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talk about your your 
content. Um, so, so you've got you know really popular series, things like Fact Hunt, that kind of thing, and a lot of it is the retro gaming. How how do you sort of um, come up with those kind of concepts, especially when you have you have such a sort of rigorous schedule for content these days um, on uh, YouTube? How do you actually come up with? Uh, well, it's just I I have a, like a list of stuff like. I sometimes I'll trawl through the internet or old gaming magazines. Gold gaming magazines are the the, the gold mine because it's untapped material. Like people, there's stuff on old mags that nobody's ever touched before, and that's where a lot of my information comes from. Uh, so it's just going through there, finding an interesting topic, and then uh, writing it down. And if anyone any sort of relative relevant related games or you know events happened, and that, I'd add them to that list. And that when you get enough, like five or so, uh, you get loads. I mean, sometimes I really, really struggle. And as soon as I put a video up, I get loads of comments saying, oh, you forgot this one, you've got that one. So <laughs> I end up making a sequel to it. So, and that's what happened with my um, games, games that contain council games as well. I got I could struggle for that one. And then it's just, just yeah. a, a tsunami of comments saying, oh, you've got this and that. So, so that'll be doing a follow-up of that sometime in the future. But it's just about making interesting content as well. So, so something that basically makes something that you'd want to watch, and uh, so you enjoy it. I mean, people can tell if you don't enjoy, you're not enjoying making a video and stuff like that. So, I think yeah. So, our people enjoy having a bit of passion in what you say and stuff. Has there ever been those kind of instances where you've made a video and your heart's really not in it? Uh, it's a case of uh, wanting to get it out of the way. That's what you mean. I mean, I think all, all videos come in, and I mean, this the one I'm working on at the moment. I've been sitting on it for two months and that just because I've life been getting in the way of finishing it off and that. And I struggle with the last one, it's about games that were cut in half during development. And uh, I could have gone the easy route and just put Sonic and three and Knuckles in there or something, but I, uh, so, but I went for some really obscure ones, so hopefully that might get some views. So um on the flip side are there any are there any videos you you're particularly fond of you particularly remember fondly you enjoyed making uh well, favorites yeah uh, well it's a games youngs can't wank episode in particular it's the uh don't buy this video uh because about basically that i done that over one uh christmas week you know the week between christmas day and new year's and i was bored and ended up making that and it completely changed the style of my videos how to get it out and stuff like that because along in no in those days it's like everybody rips off the avgn in his style so basically swearing at a game for 10 minutes <laughs> and, but i went from all sort of sarcastic sort of charlie brooker type thing with that one and it really worked so and i think that's another really useful thing to know like you've got you've got a very distinct personality and it comes through in your Wait, videos. Is that a polite way to call me an arsehole, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, it's also like, it's proper British humour as well. So yes, yes. We'll get like it, it. We enjoy it. And it's that kind of, you know, and you have your you have your famous intro as well. It's yeah. it's that kind of working out, I guess, um, your personality in through your content, you know, and how you use yourself. Brilliant. I think I've seen Peter Molyneux on your channel more than I've ever seen him anywhere else. Yeah, in my life. I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm keeping him alive, I am. Keeping him relevant nowadays. 
<laughs> I get so many comments from younger people saying, who is this? Who's that ball guy Larry keeps making fun of? <laughs> so, so that's quite fun. Um, just, just on that, though, so do you have any sort of like tips for keeping your content fresh? Uh, try not to do whatever. Uh, what, do you, uh, what do you mean by fresh? Um, so I guess um, not falling into the same trope every single time, keeping your content uh, sort of relevant and engaging. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try my interesting topics. That's the that's the thing. I try not to do stuff that's being done to death, like top ten games with good graphics and stuff like that, or mm. you know, or make a video on all oh, Mario Two was really doki doki panic and that. It's just information everybody's heard a million times and stuff like that. That's a, I mean that that was just the dog ate my homework of stuff of gaming <laughs> videos. Now, <laughs> did you know Mario Two was really doki? Oh my god, when would this happen? It's that or a, a level Shop design right, masterclass yeah. with the first Super Mario Brothers level. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can see that a lot. Mm. Um, uh, my, Michael Jackson did the music for Sonic 3. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, when did that happen? <laughs> oh, this, this is information I need to steal a million times. So, yeah, so yeah it, no, it's just trying to do stuff that nobody's heard of before. That's what makes my content fresh, is trying going out your way and covering topics that nobody else done. And then getting them stolen by Watch Mojo. So <laughs> I was just about to say, your Watch Mojo will be listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, you, your videos are very well researched, and there's a lot of effort Thank that you. goes into them. Thank you. Um, how do you find the research processes? Have you used uh, old gaming magazines, so doing like yeah. Zap and Nintendo Power? Is that kind yeah. of where you where CVG is really good. CVG, old CVG magazines. Then again, they get loads of stuff wrong as well <laughs> like they they reviewed the uh the game gear uh they found it at a press event uh you know the old ces in las vegas they had a, a game gear preview on there and, that, and they was telling everyone you could play mega drive games on it so, <laughs> so so it's like i'd love to do a video on gaming stuff that magazines got wrong and stuff like that because it's so funny some of the stuff they got wrong in hindsight like they said uh me machines said there would never be a street fighter game on the mega drive and things like that so, mm-hmm. so it's funny so you mention that because that that does actually remind me of like something I saw in an old PlayStation magazine where like someone wrote in saying, "Oh, Square Enix should make a Disney game," and they were just like, "Oh, there's no way that's ever going to happen." Two years later, Kingdom Hearts. Came. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I lo- so it's nice to see they're not you know always perfect and stuff. Yeah. Um. So they. Talking about sort of your audiences, you were talking about uh, you'll get loads of comments after your videos, that kind of thing. How yeah. how much do your your fans, your audience, sort of influence your content? Um, is it do they influence? So you said you were talking, you do like a part two, is that kind of thing? But how yeah. much do they? I mean, I don't I don't do it straight away because it'll never get anywhere near as many views. So I wait a good six months to a year if I ever do a follow up, probably even longer than that. So. So yes, but uh, yeah, a lot of them say a lot of them leave comments and mention a game and that, and I do add it to the list and stuff like that. So it's always good to keep that going and stuff. So some people have left some really interesting comments over the years and stuff like that. And some you always get people who worked in the games development as well. They watch me as well now. Does it ever get a bit surreal? You're like, oh wow. <laughs> uh, I've had uh, Pete, uh, I've had uh, Shigeru Miyamoto's son-in-law leave comments on my channel before. <laughs> Wow. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I mean, it's everybody knows him. It's Dylan Cuthbert, so 
but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, he's a. Uh, Cause he, yeah, because I've done a video saying uh, that much Miyamoto is an arsehole and stuff, <laughs> and he, he didn't he didn't disagree with me putting so many words. So, but, but. is your is your audience as well kind of global or is it predominantly kind of um, kind of British? Because I think that's one of the things that, as British kids we've got a very different relationship with yeah. video games to a lot yeah, of other well, countries. It, I know it's quite irksome when I talk about the the. Americans talk about the uh, video game crash and they think make it sound like it's a global thing and we we're still playing on the spectrum and stuff like that so we didn't yeah. nobody even knew about it really we still had arcades we still had games being made you know we just, yeah. we just had spotty teenagers in their bedroom making them so the large Japanese companies <laughs> so yeah I know all about that considering I just made a video about that exact topic oh so. wow <laughs> yeah. let, I'll have to let me know send me a link yeah, yeah. I was gonna say because uh, we were discussing consoles on our Twitter feed yesterday, and both me and Keith sharing our age started off the Atari two thousand six hundred, oh, yeah. and then we both swerved over to the Commodore sixty four, well, and the the old joys of loading the tape and taking the dog for a walk, having your dinner, and then yeah. finding it had crashed. What the time? Yeah, because I'm even older than you. My first one was those Binatone ones that just basically it was oh, the yeah. same game, but they just Pong had machine, a different yeah. graphic. It was like, you're playing tennis now and now you're playing badminton. It was basically <laughs> the same game, but you just yeah. switched the switch on the console. Slightly different scape square. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for EA to remake Pong. Pong remastered. Yeah. <laughs> They're remaking everything else at the minute. So. Pong, Pong 2020. I'm sure. That, I'm sure. At some point along okay. in history, there has been some kind of upscaled up version of Pong, like they they redid. I don't know, was it Tempest 2000 or whatever it was? I think there was actually. Now yeah. I think. Uh, but, uh, Hasbro done a couple of uh, Pong remakes on the mm. PS1. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. So they've tried to make give have them personalities the bats. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, well, on that, do you have do you have a favourite retro game at all? Uh, I was looking into it. I think the game I've played the most out of any retro game is probably Crazy Taxi. Uh, I don't know if that counts as retro choice. yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think the, I think we're all lovers of the Dreamcast here. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like... Hey, made some crazy money. Are you ready? Yes. So, yeah, I've waxed lyrical about how Skies of Arcadia is the greatest I've never JRPG played that. of all I've time. never played Skies of Arcadia, <laughs> unfortunately. But I'm, that's one I want to play. It's yeah. one that always bring, everybody brings up. Yeah, because I had a GameCube, and when they released Legends on that, it was one of the games I put way too many hours into. Yeah, kind of like exploring every little thing on it. But uh, the Dream Dreamcast is a much maligned console, but Crazy yeah. Taxi is the perfect arcade game. It's what it's one of those games that you just play for five minutes and then put down, and then come back to it and stuff like that. I mean, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at it. I've, I mean, I love the game so much, I've actually bought it on every single release ever made for it. But uh, I've even got the, uh, the Naomi version as well. So. Keeping Sega afloat, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I love Sega. I love Sega. So, so just to kind of bring it, bring it a bit back to YouTube, how... What what is your opinion on sort of other platforms for gaming contents? For example, a good a good one, Twitch. Um, what's your opinion in terms of those different platforms compared to YouTube? Uh, well, I think it works better for streaming than YouTube because YouTube's stupid algorithms put it against you that nobody's going to watch a five hour long video after it's been put up. So that they'll punish you for that, and I think nobody wants to watch your videos and that. So Twitch works better in that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a different type of medium, really. I mean, it shouldn't be compared to YouTube because it is a live 
it's like live TV rather than watching pre-recorded shows. So, but no, it's, it's, it has a service in that. So, mm-hmm. I don't really use it much myself, but you know, I've got like, plenty of friends on there who make a career on there. So, mm. so I guess um, really the last big question is, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out as a YouTuber, as a gaming YouTuber? Uh, I would say the main the main uh, tips I would say is consistency. Try to stick to a day or a time of the month to upload a new video, and also try and do collaborations with other people because you'll instantly get access to all their subscribers, and there's good chance that a large chunk of them never knew you existed beforehand, and that so you can get a you know get them coming over to you without having to rely on YouTube doing the work for you. So collaborations are really, really good. And it's something people I don't guess. really do nowadays, strangely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that's how I found out about Daniel Ibbotson was through your channel. And oh, your I'm sorry to hear that. It's a great way to, yeah. yeah. It's like it's those a, guest spots are something which I really enjoy. It's like, it's a great way to introduce somebody to somebody a bit different. Yeah. Different no, yeah, I, yeah, I, feel, I felt sorry for Dan because he's making all these great videos and, and nobody was watching them. So, so yeah, so I helped him out, and I've helped a couple of other people and stuff out as well, like Top Hat and others like that. So, yeah, they were all good. Yeah, yeah. and I know you uh, collaborate quite a lot with uh, Mr. Biffo, aka Paul Rose, aka yes. Digitizer, yeah. aka whatever kind of description he's using <laughs> this 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 month. But, yes. Yeah. So like Digitizer, the show was a personal favorite of mine. Yeah. Oh, collabs collabs with Ashens and stuff like that. It's always yeah. fun to see. Yeah, I think uh, do you Ash, Ash those... pretty much made my career as well doing collaboration with him because <laughs> I got like, lucked out there. So, yeah, do you enjoy the collaborations more than kind of your like your regular videos? Is it something a bit different? Uh, well, I, as long as you don't keep doing them all the time and that they're all right. Um, I do prefer well, it's a lot just a lot more convenient to do stuff in your own because you don't have to rely on oh, can you do this line for me? Oh, sorry, I haven't got it round to it yet. And so it's it's good to only and I don't trust myself bad enough, so having to rely on other people and stuff like that. But uh, no, it's 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 fun. It, it, it's it's fun, but I I do prefer to do stuff on my own just to get it out of the way, really, just to get content out there. I mean, I, I mean, it's not. I mean, because I'm a sort of more privileged in a more privileged privileged position to be able to do that more than anything. That's what I mean. I'm not sound. I'm not sound like an asshole. He just wants to be on his own. <laughs> no, yeah, completely understand. It's like if you've got that script in your head, you want to yeah, take that I want to get it out there. Yeah, and I just yeah. if I want a guest voice, and I just do a different impression. That's what I mean. Yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Well, Larry, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, you can catch Larry on his YouTube channel. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, he's on Patreon as well. You also have a book out on Amazon. I do, funny. yes. I do, yes. Excellent. Um, a wobbly table. It's a perfect book for that. <laughs> <laughs> All of Larry's links will be in the description when we upload uh, this video and podcast. Uh, join us in a minute where Lee has a very special game for all of us. Ooh. Hello, it's time to talk about Games of the Week for the past few weeks. So we've got a few to get through, 
So let's get started. 12 Minutes was a game that I took great interest in, and its unique premise pushed me to make it Game of the Week. A point-and-click adventure set in a time loop, you play as a husband coming home to his wife. After a few minutes of idle chat, a police officer shows up to arrest the wife on suspicion of murdering her father. And then time loops, and the titular 12 minutes start all over again. Using your knowledge of each loop, you have to piece together why the cop is there and how to stop him from arresting slash killing both of you. All the clues are there to begin with, you just have to put them together in the right order. I've played my way through it and it's a superbly tense thriller with maddening puzzles that demand to be solved. I was deeply invested in this slice of life mystery, and I did not rest until it was solved, and there were plenty of layers of plot to uncover. There was some controversy for some people over what some of those layers meant, but for me, it was excellent. After that, Game of the Week was arguably my most anticipated game of the year, Psychonauts 2. Double Fine's 3D platformer about psychic agents who enter the increasingly bizarre mindscapes of those around them finally got a sequel 16 years on. And it is excellent now that I've played it all the way through. Retaining the great writing and humour of its predecessor, the sequel has added a bunch of gameplay refinements that make it just feel smoother overall. It's exactly the game I was hoping for, and it's probably going to be my game of the year. And Jack Black's in it, and so is Elijah Wood. That's neat. Yeah. After that, my next game of the week was The Big Con, a rad throwback to the 90s that features Rugrats colour schemes and Doug skin tones, and the fact that I picked up on that sort of suggests that I'm the target audience for this. Oh no. You play as Ali, a high schooler who's on a road trip to do crimes, swindle, steal and con people out of their money to get the funds to save your parents' video store, all while wearing plaid and a backwards baseball cap. It looks like a lot of goofy fun, it makes me remember being a child during that era, and I'm all for games about noble thievery, so it became Game of the Week. Which finally brings us to this week, which had two Games of the Week. Indie Game of the Week was Lost in Random. Lost in Random is an action-adventure set in a world ruled by a cruel queen who decides everyone's fates with the roll of a dice. You play as a girl named Even, whose sister Odd is taken from the family on her 12th birthday. A year later, Even picks up on a signal and sets out to get her sister back. It looks gorgeous, with a Tim Burton-esque art style heavily based around dice. Expect plenty of fantastical characters and world-bending powers as you journey across six realms of random. But overall, Game of the Week this week is Life is Strange True Colours. The latest in Square Enix's Teens with Powers franchise is the second title from before the Storm developers Deck 9, with series creators Don't Nod off elsewhere working on new projects. This title stars Alex Chen, a girl living in a small town who discovers that she has the superpower of extreme empathy, able to see the emotional auras of people around her, and the ability to reach into the source of that emotion. Expect plenty of angst, plenty of chill times with friends, and a lot of supernatural drama. I enjoyed Life is Strange 1 and 2, so hopefully this lives up to the expectations set by those two games. And after all that, let's get back to the main show. I have a game for you all. <laughs> it is um, the Metacritic Higher or Lower game. So basically, I'm going to give uh, a series of combinations of games, and you have to guess which one got the higher Metacritic score. Uh, there will be four rounds, each with five questions, and each one will kind of jump into a different decade. So, let's see how this goes. So, round one will be set in the 90s. Uh, because Metacritic starts at about 1996. <laughs> we haven't so. stolen this format from anybody else at all. No, Please, no. no coffee. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's very different to any format that you might have seen. They don't use Metacritic. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, they're using Amiga Power. 
<laughs> Everything's lower, lower, lower. Yeah. Team 17 have released a game. Quick, yeah. zero. <laughs> uh, right. So, are we ready to begin round one, which is the 90s? Well, late 90s specifically. So I tried to, like, combine games that are sort of on similar themes. So the first question is 90s platformers. So, Super Mario 64 or Spyro 3, which one has the higher Metacritic score? I'd say Mario 64. It's got to be Mario. It is Mario 64. Uh, Spyro 3 got 91, Mario 64 is 94. Close to the Yeah. Um, I did want to use the original Spyro, but turns out Spyro 3 is the only one of the PS- PS1 games that's on Metacritic. So there um, <laughs> The next one is uh, classic FPSs from the 90s. So we've got Quake or Goldeneye. Which one is the higher Metacritic score? See, Quake's got PC gamers and they're angry about everything, <laughs> even if it's perfect. <laughs> So I'm going to go with Goldeneye. Okay. <laughs> as I, long I, as I, it's not ob job cheaters who've written all the reviews for this. <laughs> I'd also say Goldeneye. Well, I'm just going to be different and say Quake, because it's something... I don't know, they did hold it in quite high regard, especially because it's an unofficial sequel to Doom, you know, mm-hmm. the follow-up mm-hmm. to Doom. Yep. Yeah. So... Uh, all the shades of brown. All of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, that question wasn't inspired by it just arriving on Game Pass recently, but you know. <laughs> um, so, I got it for free! <laughs> um, so I can confirm that Goldeneye got 96 on Metacritic, Quake got 94. So oh, it is Goldeneye. Bloody PC gamers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, question three is survival horrors. So Resident Evil 2 or Silent Hill? Oh, okay, that's tricky. Hmm. Now I'm thinking game critics want to be movie critics, so hmm. I'm going to think Silent Hill for myself, because okay. it's got more of a story to it. Okay. They're normally, uh, reviewers are normally harsher on a sequel to a game uh, than an original IP as well sometimes. Mm-hmm. They always moan, oh it's more of the same, mm-hmm. well, that's <laughs> what a sequel is, that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think oh, I think Resi 2, Resident Evil 2, yeah. was mm-hmm. holding quite high regard. Yep. It's only just so, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going with Resident Evil 2 as well, just purely because it was such a leap above the previous game. I remember what? people having an issue with the fog in Resident Hill as well about this time. Mm. Well. Mm. Where do you reckon, Mac? Where do you reckon, Mac? I think Resident Evil 2, because I think Silent Hill, they'll probably see it as a bit too sort of indie art house. Okay. At time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Silent Hill got 86. Resident Evil 2, 89. Ooh. So it Ooh, is. That's surprising. No, I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought they'd be in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it surprised me too. Um, okay, so then we got stealth games from the late 90s. We've got Metal Gear Solid or Thief. The original yeah. Thief. It's got to go with Metal Gear Solid, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah, Metal Gear. Colonel! It is in fact Metal Gear. That's got to be by quite a big margin. It's not actually a big margin. It's 94 for Metal Gear Solid and 92 for Thief. Oh, so, wow. Wow. Um, 
And finally, for the 90s, we've got Final Fantasy VII or Baldur's Gate. Oh, I'd say Final Fantasy VII, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was the pinnacle I mean, of PlayStation. Yeah, consistency, you had the console games fair better than the PC games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both well, ones. it is another close one, but Final Fantasy VII is the higher one. Uh, Baldur's oh. Gate got 91, Final Fantasy VII got 92. So it is just one point. That's closer than I expected it to yeah. be. I didn't, I didn't imagine Baldur's Gate was that much of a popular game. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, it's early Bioware and stuff as well. So, you know, it's like, True. it's held scoring, in high regard. scoring higher than Resident Evil 2 as well. That's Yeah. Nice. I know. <laughs> okay. So for round two, we're doing Not the 2000s. Uh, so this is like covering from the PS2, GameCube era all the way up to like the Wii, PS3, 360 era. And I went back with more um, FPSs, Time Splitters 2 or Halo. I'll just say Halo. Okay. I think. I think everybody who played Time Splitters 2 loves Time Splitters 2. But it's critics and it's Bungie and. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Halo. Okay. I'm I'm going to go with Time Splitters too, only because I played Halo on the Mac at the time. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I mean, it single-handedly saved Xbox. So I'd probably say Halo. It is Halo. Um, it's actually quite a big gap as well. Time Splitters oh. two got ninety. Halo got ninety-seven. Wow. wow. Mm. Almost brilliant. a perfect game. Yep. Um, so, question two, PS2, um, mascot platformers, Jack and Daxter, or Ratchet and Clank? Ratchet and Clank, obviously. I, I, per- I personally always prefer Jack and Daxter. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have a PS2, for me, it, are they just the same game with different people? <laughs> They're very, very different games. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you think Jack and Daxter? Yeah, I think it was it was sort of their follow-on from uh, Crash Bandicoot as well, Naughty mm. Dogs. So I think people might hold it higher in that regard mm. for that reason. Oh, I'll go with Ratchet and Clank just to the of the opposite. Even though I like Sly Cooper more. <laughs> uh, so Ratchet and Clank got eighty-eight, and Jack and Daxter got ninety. Wow. So that is Okay. Mm. So now two games of war. So God of War 2 or Gears of War. I had to specify a sequel because if I was to use the same number for both, they would both have the same score in each <laughs> comparison. So I did God of War 2 versus Gears of War. I'm going to say Gears of War, I think, because it's an original Xbox property, mm-hmm. even though it's yeah. the biggest chins in gaming. <laughs> <laughs> The biggest everything in gaming this year. See, I, I don't remember playing God of War 2 at all, even though I like the first game. Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd probably err with Gears of War. I'm going to go with Gears because you said the score was the same. I'm assuming God of War got slightly higher ratings on release. Oh, thank you. Psychologically here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to outfox him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say God of War, just to be different. Okay. It is uh, Gears of War. Um, 
Both Gears of War and the original God of War got 94, and both Gears of War 2 and God of War 2 got 93. Yeah, so sequel, yeah like I said, sequels never fare as good as the original. I know mm-hmm. that. It's a shame, really, because there's some better sequels out there. Well, Halo, Halo 2 is a better game than Halo 1. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Apart from that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've got uh, space games from the 2000, uh, 2000s now. We've got Mass Effect and Dead Space. I want to go. I want to say Dead Space. Yeah, I did. Mm. I did like Mass Effect. I much preferred Dead Space. Okay. It, it's yeah. a Bioware darling. Uh, yeah, it's Bio, Bioware, so it's probably going to be Mass Effect. Okay. No? Yeah. Con- controversial. I never got really into Mass Effect either, so I'd probably say Dead Space. Okay. Uh, it is Mass Effect by three points. Uh, <laughs> Dead Space got 86, Mass Effect got 89. So. See, that seems, low, that seems again. low again. Mass Effect 2 is the much better game again. That's what I was the... thinking, is like generally the sequels tend to get held in a higher regard for Mass Effect than the first one, so... Uh, there we go. And the final one for the 2000s, I went with uh, Wolf-themed uh, action adventures released in 2006. So, Zelda Twilight Princess or Okami. <laughs> <laughs> that is an obscure genre. <laughs> I just saw them on my shelf and went, "That'll do." <laughs> that, that's unfair. That's a bit unfair because I've I, I've got a Kami in about four different consoles over the years. It's like, oh yeah, I like, I really like that game. I love that game a lot. It'll be Zelda, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> I would have thought, but that's a shame. Um, I'm going to go with a Kami, mainly because Zelda games always have roughly around the same school. I'm thinking Akami might have a slightly better as being a one-off kind of mm-hmm. vision. Optimistic, but no, I think Zelda. It is Zelda uh, by two points. Akami is at uh, 93. Twilight Princess got 95. Uh, there we go. That was the 2000s. I will calculate scores at the end. I can't be able to do it right now. <laughs> how are you, how, is this like a QI way of scoring? Like, just randomly allocate yeah. points out. Yeah. If anybody mentions Hideo Kojima, is there going to be a big clacks going on? Yeah. Unless, unless one of these rounds, Lee has dead standing versus something else, I'm going to be just <laughs> death standing, death stranding. Can't even say the name again. Yeah. Okay. So round three is the 2010s. Uh, and we're starting with popular open world games. We've got Zelda, Breath of the Wild, or Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Breath so, of the Wild. It's Breath of the Wild yeah. instantly, because it's basically yeah. everyone's yeah. favourite Skyrim knockoff. But... It is, in fact, Breath of the Wild. <laughs> and I, I came up with this thing, then looked at the scores and went, wow. Well, there really was nothing in this. 97 for Breath of the Wild and 89 for Horizon Zero Dawn. So... Bit of an easy one to start off with that one. Uh, popular RPGs from the 2010s. We've got Skyrim, of course, versus mm. The Witcher 3. Which version of Skyrim are we talking? About? I went with the original. <laughs> I went with the original <laughs> PC versions for both. Not the not the Ouya version. Yeah. I'm going to go with Skyrim on that. Skyrim, yeah, Skyrim, yeah. Skyrim. Ooh, yeah, go on the Skyrim. It is Skyrim, but it's very close. Uh, Skyrim got 94, The Witcher 3 got 93. So it is very, very close. Um, next up, Dark Souls, the original, 
versus Bloodborne? I would say Bloodborne because a lot of people didn't understand Dark Souls when it first came out. They just saw mm-hmm. it some really, really hard game and they never got their, it never clicked for them. So it got yeah. lower scores because of that. And by the time Bloodborne came out, everybody got it, got mm-hmm. how it worked. So I'd say Bloodborne. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking it's the same kind of thing because you have Souls likes where everybody just references Dark Souls. Mm. It's a bit like Rogue likes where everybody references Rogue, but right. the game itself wasn't as as well founded. It just become a genre in its own regard afterwards. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's it's uh, Dark Souls. Okay. I think Dark Souls as well. Oh, uh, sorry, you were talking about Dark Souls and not Demon Souls. As well, mm-hmm. sorry, that Demon Souls was the first one. But I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Think, yeah. Doing yeah. The original no, yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have got Demon Souls back in the day, but Dark Souls. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so what was it? Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Uh, uh, yeah, Bloodborne. I'd say Bloodborne. It's also yeah. slightly easier. It's slightly easier, Bloodborne. Yeah. Bigger audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is, in fact, Bloodborne. Uh, Bloodborne got 92, Dark Souls got 89 originally. It's a bit of a low score for Dark Souls. Yeah, I was surprised at that. Um, Yeah, I think. um, It spawned an entire generation of stupidly bastard hard games which nobody wants to play. (laughs) Oh, there's a speedrun of somebody not getting a single hit in the game, completing it. Mm. Wow. YouTube. People do do insane challenges with Dark Souls. Okay. It's just like roll for the entirety of the video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next one is Rockstar Games in the 2010s. GTA 5 or Red Dead Redemption? That's, it's going to have to be GTA, isn't it? Yeah, GTA 5. I think more that's more accessible. I'm going to go with Red Dead Redemption because, in my opinion, the story is much better. So I'm thinking from a critical point of view. Mm-hmm. Whereas GTA 5 just seems to be give us money for GTA Online now. <laughs> okay. um, you haven't got Trevor in. You haven't got Trevor. Everybody <laughs> likes Trevor. <laughs> Not a magical Trevor. <laughs> magical Trevor. He shoots people. <laughs> um, oh, go Red Dead. Okay. It is GTA 5. Uh, 97 for GTA 5, 95 for Red Dead Redemption. I believe these are the scores for like all the systems I looked at because they ended up having the same score. So yeah, Metacritic normally sort of evens them out across. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good to see it wasn't a massive difference between the two because Red Red Dead the game that I played, I didn't really play GTA 5, but I did did complete Red Dead, which is a great game. And finally for the 2010s, we're doing emotional zombie games. The Last of Us versus Telltale's The Walking Dead. Oh, Last of Us. Yeah. Last of Us is quite clearly. Yeah. Uh, I'll go Telltale's Walking Dead. I'll try that. Okay. It is. So. Last of Us got 95. The Walking Dead got 94. (laughs) Yeah. It seems that games that only come out on one system also get higher scores. There is that, I've noticed. Mm. Yeah. Okay, for the final round, I have decided to restrict them to this year. Ooh. Ooh. So absolutely nothing. <laughs> games that came out in the last nine months. So because I've been playing it recently, 
doing Psychonauts 2 versus Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, Psychonauts. Psychonauts. Easy. Yeah, Psychonauts. Yeah, yeah. It is, in fact, Psychonauts, which were 89 for the PC version uh, versus 88 for Ratchet and Clank. Um, if I was to use the Xbox Series X version, which is what I was going to originally use, that also got 88. So that's why I use the PC version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're really terrible. They're exclusive now, Sony, aren't they? Putting them on the Xbox. So. Yeah. I'm surprised we've got stuff on the PC. Yeah. Honest, Sony. They're slowly tripping stuff out. Yeah, it'd be like years after the fact in every yeah. case. Yeah. Um, so, the second question is about uh, Nintendo spin-offs that released this year. We've got new Pokemon Snap, or we've got Mario Golf Super Rush. Pokemon Snap. Pokemon yeah. Snap. Yeah, yeah, Pokemon, yeah, so golf's more of a sort of a dad's game, really. It's, uh, <laughs> it's less excessive, and, you know, don't hear all the kids going, oh, I want to get that new golf game. <laughs> yeah, and considering how excited we were when they announced they were doing Pokemon Snap, mm. <laughs> like, mm. we never mentioned the golf one. <laughs> okay, so uh, it is, in fact, new Pokemon Snap. Uh, 79 versus Mario Golf 70. 79? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, I do know, Seven. yeah, there's a lot of problems with the golf Mario Golf as well. I heard people complaining yeah. about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, I was going to say that's pretty much a zero on the IGN <laughs> score rating for Mario um, Golf. For, for Mario Golf, I believe its user score is something like, something like 56. People oh, wow. did not enjoy that game for some reason. Is it too woke? <laughs> I'm sure I'll find at least one review if I was to delve in. Um, too much focus on minor characters. <laughs> well, um, since we're talking about controversial things, um, Question three is games that got a bit of controversy online after they came out. So we've got both of these for the Xbox Series X, the medium or 12 minutes. So 12 minutes was the time loop game with uh, Daisy Ridley and James McAvoy. And the medium was the Silent Hill inspired horror game that released early this year. Mm. I would I'm say really, I'm not really, Yeah, I've not really looked into either of these. Mm -hmm. but I'd, I'd the say only reason I know. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry, Harry. No, you go, you go first. Go. Uh, I was going to say, the only reason I know of 12 minutes is because Zero Punctuation made one of his usual ranty videos. Well. <laughs> yeah, I'm I got say... for a Silent Hill one, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go 12 minutes to score in a higher Metacritic score. Uh, I, yeah. I'm going to go with 12 minutes as well because it's got that twist in it. Uh, what a it twist. Is... So what the, a medium, twist. <laughs> the medium got 71. And 12 minutes got 76. Ooh. That seems, they both seem a little bit low, really. They were controversial, some of the plot decisions. Some reviewers absolutely hated some of the plot choices. So. I suppose with the Silent Hill name, it gets slapped onto lots of stuff nowadays. Mm. If you want a foggy village game, you're probably not going to get it from Silent Hill. Anymore. It's the Dark Souls of Silent Hill Metroidvanias. <laughs> It's because everybody just wants a Silent Hill game, so let's go. We'll yeah. just call it Silent Hill. Well, you got you got Silent Hill Pachinko. What more do you want, eh? <laughs> yeah. Be grateful in Greece. Yeah. Don't don't give them ideas. You'll have, you'll have a Pachinko machine with fog in, with a fog machine. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> can't see where the balls are going. Okay. Uh, for question four, I did two games that got a lot of promotion, but then really low scores. So we got Biomutant or Outriders. Biomutant was the open world game where you play as like a rat creature that can yeah, so. morph itself. And then Outriders is the multiplayer 
space shooter thing from yeah, it's a bit the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll say Biomutant. I've I've played both, and I vastly prefer Biomutant. Okay. I mean, the only re- the only bad thing about that game is the bloody narrator won't shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to side with Biomutant as well because it has features a nice, cool duck in the artwork at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going for Biomutant mainly because people probably thought it was Rocket Raccoon on the cover and they thought it was probably a Marvel game. <laughs> yeah, me too, because also online and failed is never a good sign. Mm. Yeah. It is Biomutant, which got 68 on Metacritic. Uh, Outriders got 67, so it was very close. Yeah. Now, Biomutant's good, it's just narrator just really drags <laughs> the game out. Uh, but I've got, I heard they patched it down, cut him down. Mm-hmm. A bit like a blade from a director's cut, you need to like cut all the voiceover <laughs> yeah. out. Cut the voiceover out. <laughs> okay, and finally, we're going to do two horror games that released this year. We got Resident Evil Village or Little Nightmares Two. Oh, Resident Evil Village, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's lots. Of- there's lots of there's lots of big reasons why they would use that. <laughs> One big two, two very important two reasons. Very so. big reasons. <laughs> Depending on how you want to look at it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say little nightmares too. I thought that got a lot of a lot of attention actually when it came out. I'm gonna go with little nightmares too if you because it's more of the indie style darling. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil Village got eighty one. Little Nightmares 2 got 82. Oh. So it's just higher. Maybe, maybe, maybe they just found Resident Evil Village too scary. I mean, it does give birth to a ginger baby in it. So, <laughs> but, so you know, that's just pure horror. Well, you can patch it so the baby's Chris Redfield. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that mod. <laughs> I'm just calculating the scores, so... Yeah, it all, Resident Evil's always that weird franchise which has taken so many dives and turns yeah. and changes in format over the time. So I remember when said back in the GameCube days, Resident Evil 4 was the ultimate game, which was supposed to be platform exclusive, and now it's available on smartwatches. Oh, yeah. Uh, Samsung fridges. <laughs> playing it on. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember picking up Resident Evil 5 and being extremely disappointed that it wasn't oh, yeah. just Resident Evil 4 too. What? Co-op? I don't have friends. I'm here to play, I'm playing Resident Evil. You must play Resident Evil 4 on a PS2 sometime though, because it's amazing they managed to get the game running on it because it can barely <laughs> handle it. And it's like just <laughs> pure amazement that it can actually work on the system. It's like Half-Life 2 on the Xbox, you know, it's just a miracle <laughs> that it's working on the system. So. Just let the janky sellotape together. Keep, keep going, keep going. We can make this. Okay. So, final scores. In last place, Keith. What? You've got to fun there. 14 <laughs> points. Keith. I'm not going to dispute this. I didn't keep a score myself. So. <laughs> um, so, in joint second, is Ryan Ooh. and Matt. Ooh, 16 oh. points. Which means that Larry is our winner with 17 points. Yay! I just, well, I just, you're not, not playing Guru Larry for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing to do with the fact I'm the guest this week. Either. <laughs> <laughs> so, me... we, there's no favouritism here. No. <laughs> no, thanks very much, Lee. That was a good fun game. I'm sure we'll, we'll yeah, I've never heard of that one before. It's quite good. <laughs> I'll have to steal it. 
<laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Geeky For Me podcast this week. Uh, Larry, this is where we usually do our socials and where you can find us online. So do you want to tell us where we can find you and what products and everything that you're up to? You can find me on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on youtube.com slash Larry. If you want to look me on there, I've got one of them vanity addresses because I found because <laughs> I, I managed to nick it up. Another guy called Larry got banned in like the late 2000s. So, <laughs> so, so I got it. Yeah, so youtube.com slash Larry for all my YouTube related videos. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Larry Bundy Jr. You can see me down there, can't you? <laughs> there you go. So down there, um, Facebook as well, and. Uh, on Amazon. Yeah, you can look at my book on Amazon. Just type in Larry Bundy on there and you'll find my book. Awesome. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Uh, Keith, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me usually on a Wednesday retweeting myself on Geeky Brummies Twitter feed at the hardluck underscore hotel address. Uh, if you have Instagram and you you find time to scroll past advertisements for weird things to put in your washing, you can find me at Hardlock No Underscore Hotel. That's like No Underscore, like not No Underscore as a word. But <laughs> you'll work it out. It's fine. If, search Hardlock Hotel, and if it's not Count Ducula, it's probably me. <laughs> Lee, where can we find your presence on the uh, intertubes? You can find me on YouTube at Papa Pet Ferret, where I do various video essays and reviews and things. I uh, recently did a video on Gravity Rush, which is a video that had a lot of work put into it. It took oh. me quite a while to put that one together, so everyone should go watch that immediately. I'm still um, not playing a PS4 lead. <laughs> Um, and you can also find me on Twitter at Bob the Pet Ferret for channel related stuff and the Cheap Ferret for general tweeting on top of that as well. And you can find me on Fridays on geekybrummy.com doing the uh, gaming roundup. Awesome. Uh, Matt, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Uh, you can find me at Mr. Matt Level on Twitter doing a fat lot of nothing to be honest <laughs> recently um you can find me on um matchstick underscore matt on instagram where it's mostly me drunk in social places um and i do the weekly esports roundup on a monday on the geekery website awesome and you can find me at ryan parish on twitter for my dusty barely used twitter account uh, you can find the foodie stuff which is now just basically me abusing greg wallace for master chef every week <laughs> Uh, at Brummy Gone Moms. Uh, you can find me on the Geeky Brummy website on Thursdays doing the Tech Roundup on the Twitter channel on a Tuesday doing some occasional tweeting. Uh, but as mentioned previously, you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, castOS.com is where we podcast from, but you can find it on all other podcasting services. Uh, massive thanks again to Larry for joining us today. Okay. Don't forget to go and follow him on all the socials. Details will be below and don't forget to pick up his lovely book oh, there you and i'm sure i'll see you in the lgr comment section again very soon oh yes yeah debilitating <laughs> <laughs> yeah. bout of procrastination and commenting on every single youtube video ever made yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been absolutely awesome to have you thank you so much for oh, thank you. uh thank you, giving yeah. some of your career highlights and do i get paid now yeah. <laughs> check will be in the post ah good <laughs> Get awesome. paid in geeky brummy badges. Oh, excellent. <laughs> but uh, it's been absolutely, 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, thank you all for joining us. And do I have to, yeah, I suppose the best of the usual YouTube, like, subscribe, comment. You, you know the buttons. Everybody tells you the button. <laughs> Click the buttons. That, that's all we're going to say. Smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Click the it's bell like, for notifications. Yes. Yeah. Click that block, block button. <laughs> <laughs> Click unsubscribe, turn off your PC and walk yeah. away. <laughs> I don't like that guy. Don't have me on your channel anymore. Yeah. Use accelerants uh, and burn your house to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode, but for tonight, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, and thanks, Larry. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.